morning, everyone. It's really good to be here with you today. And I want to thank Nigel for the opportunity to come and, and just share some thoughts with you from the Word of God. And I hope that it brings you encouragement. And we're going to read in, in a moment from John chapter 4. For those who don't know, my name is Pip and I'm one of the pastors at Dundonald Elam Church. And it's just a privilege to be here with you. And I say, I hope that you're encouraged through this message. If you have a Bible with you, why don't you turn with me in it to John chapter 4. I know you've been doing uh, a series um, recently in John. And I would just love to, to share some thoughts with you from this scripture. John chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. But just before we do, let's, let's pray together. That would be great. Earlier in the, in the service, we were, were singing a song about magnifying the name of Jesus, magnifying the name of our Lord. And just as we, we close our eyes, we remind ourselves that we actually can't magnify Jesus or make him any bigger than what he already is. He's already the name that is above all other names as we've been singing. But what we can do is magnify him in our lives. We can magnify him in our minds and that's why we turn to the word of God to catch that greater vision of who he is. And Father, as we turn to your word now, we're mindful of all the, the precious people who have gathered here today who are participating in this service online. All of the different situations. And so Lord, what we pray is that through your word to us today that we would catch a greater vision of your son Jesus. As Carrie steps into a new role, that she'll catch a greater vision today of Jesus that inspires us that to, to magnify you in our lives and you take the preeminent place in our hearts and that we go from here inspired by that to live for you and to make a difference for you in our lives. So Lord, bless this reading from your word and what is shared from it in Jesus' precious and lovely name. Amen. Amen. So John chapter four, and we'll, we'll start reading at verse one. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. How lovely it is just to pause there, that Scripture never distances itself from the humanity of Jesus. He was fully God, but fully man, and he's had a long journey, and he's tired, and he sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, 
you have nothing to draw with and, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who, who gave us this well and, and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you say is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship from what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for, there are, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? And it's a, a story that I'm sure you've heard many, many different times, but hopefully we'll see again today that the message contained in it is timeless, that it inspires us again, whatever season we're in or moving into in our lives, that we're just inspired by the Word of God today. Jesus sat down at Jacob's well, and the scene was set for, as David said to us earlier, a scene, an encounter that was shocking in so many ways. Let's think about what David said to us earlier about how shocking a scene this actually was to us. David said it was shocking because Jesus spoke to a woman. In that culture, it was a breach of spiritual etiquette for a man to speak to a woman. But what we saw, see in this reading was an absolute no-no because a rabbi would definitely not have spoken to a woman in public. In fact, rabbis would not have even spoke to women from their own families in public. This was a shocking encounter. You say, David, it was a Samaritan woman that Jesus spoke to. That makes it even more shocking. Absolutely does. Because the Jews and the Samaritans, as it says in the scripture, don't didn't associate. The Samaritans really came when the, the nation of Israel split into to two kingdoms. The northern kingdom made up of the ten tribes of Israel. The southern kingdom, the remaining two, and it was called Judah. And the, the capital of the northern kingdom was called Samaria. 
And in around 722 BC, Samaria was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And many of the Jews were taken, but some were allowed to stay. And the ones that were allowed to stay, what happened was the Assyrians started to send people from all their different cultures to, to live in the capital. And what happened, eventually they started to intermarry with these people who, who came to live in Samaria. Something completely taboo for a Jewish person to actually do. And as a result, the Jews hated, they despised the Samaritans for what they had done and also the religion they had, had created. So for Jesus to speak to a Samaritan woman, as you said, was a completely shocking thing to happen. And it was also shocking because she was a Samaritan woman who had potentially loose morals. The, the story doesn't completely tell us that, but the inference is that that might be the case. Her, her solo appearance at the well is striking. It is absolutely striking. Women in that culture, they were the ones who went to the well to draw water. And often it was seen as a social event where women would meet, they would gather, they would chat, and they would catch up with each other. So the inference of her, her solo appearance is striking because she was clearly going there at a time when nobody else would be there. Usually the, the women would go to the well early morning or early evening to avoid the hot noonday sun. She went at noon because probably nobody would have been there. The fact that she was on her own at what would be a traditionally social event indicates that she was going to avoid any confrontation. Actually, history shows that the well um, in Sikar was, there were other wells closer to where this lady lived in Sikar. So potentially she was avoiding convenient places, again to avoid confrontation. Absolutely right. This woman, as you say, David, was an outcast. We put all of that picture together. She was an outcast. So strike one, Jesus speaks to a woman. Strike two, he speaks to a woman who was a Samaritan. Strike three, he speaks to a woman who potentially had loose morals. <laughs> but Jesus was certainly not out. Because what he's doing here is he's revealing to us these amazing truths about who he was and, and who he is and the mission that he has placed in your heart and my heart as his followers. Here's the first great statement that Jesus makes in this, in this story. Jesus Christ is a friend of all sinners. He's a friend of all sinners. And, and we see this throughout the the stories that we, we read in the book of John. Take, for example, John chapter 3. What we read in, in John chapter 3, there was an encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a professional, an educated man, and respected who had social stature. In chapter 4, we read of an encounter with a woman who was absolutely at the opposite end of the the scale socially, religiously, and, and potentially morally. Chapter 3 was an encounter with a man in the evening who was a ruler. Chapter 4 was an encounter at midday with a woman who was an outcast. Nicodemus, he came seeking Jesus. This woman wasn't seeking him at all, but she had, a, an, she had an appointment with Jesus she knew nothing about. 
I'm going to say it in the first service, it might be that you're here today. Maybe you've just come to church because this is the thing you do on Sundays. But maybe just maybe you have a special appointment with Jesus Christ today because he wants to change your life. He wants to turn your life around. Chapter 3, we learn that no one is good enough to not need a Savior. Chapter 4, we learn that no one is beyond his hope. <laughs> and the contrast of these two people, it's amazing what unites them is their need of a Savior. And their contrast shows that Jesus is a friend of all sinners, whether it's a respected religionist or disenfranchised woman. Jesus Christ is a friend of all sinners. And the cross passionately spans all society. I think it's amazing what you're doing, Carrie, and how you're going to reach out to people in the margins. That's where we need to be as a church, as the people of God. And in this story, Jesus crosses all these established and man-made boundaries of race and gender and social status, walks all over the top of them to show that the gospel is for all people. Cared nothing for man-made traditions. I, I see. I, I love the irony of how, in a culture where Jews wouldn't even use the same utensils as Samaritans, that's why the lady asked Jesus, "Are you going to get water? You've nothing to draw with." The irony of how he sends his disciples into Samaria to buy Samaritan food out of Samaritan hands. He shatters the walls of exclusion, and and he reveals this grace that's for everyone. Verse 42 says, Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. He came to bring salvation to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's open to all, whosoever will believe. Yes, even to those that sadly the church can ostracize and condemn. Jesus wants to save the sexually immoral, the drug addict. He wants to save the Islamic terrorist. He wants to save the immigrant and so on and so on. He's a friend of all sinners. And that passion needs to be bang smack at the heart of our mission. Whether it's in Bangor Parish, Dundonald Elam, whatever fellowship you're part of watching uh, the service online, we need to be known as people, churches that are friends of all sinners. And, and as a Christian, I put a challenge out to you. Who is your friend who's not a Christian? pause there to give you an opportunity to think about it because sometimes the longer we go on in a Christian journey, the more our, our close circles become Christian and that's okay. But there should be something in our hearts that wants to keep well connected with our neighbor or with that somebody who we can call a friend who isn't a Christian that we're trying to influence, that we're trying to reach into their life to shine a light of hope into them. And if we don't have any non-Christian friends, maybe we need to be challenged by this point. We need to be known as people who are friends of all sinners. That's the call, part of the call to being a, living a Christ-like life. Or maybe you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, but you felt excluded from becoming one because of your past or your present or potentially because of what a religious person has said to you or done to you in the past, and it hurts, and those scars stay with us for a long time. But please listen on to this story, because there's hope. There's hope here for you today, that you can respond to this wonderful Savior 
you catch this greater vision as he's magnified in our hearts and our minds today and the hope he can bring to you. He's your friend. Second point is this. Jesus is full of grace, not condemnation. Grace, it's the favor of God. It comes freely to people who do not deserve it. I am so one of those people. Only sinners appreciate grace. If you're anything like me, you'll appreciate it a lot. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this story is a beautiful example of Jesus living out that mission of no condemnation. Here's a woman. She knew her condition. She was lost. She clearly, uh, with, with having five failed marriages, knew what it was to feel a failure or to feel rejected. What a horrible way to feel. Maybe she knew shame in her life. What a horrible feeling that is. She's probably the talk of her town. Maybe she'd even got to a point where she felt that she deserved to be hated and despised and and unwanted. She didn't know who to turn to for, for her hope or the satisfaction she was looking for, hence her history, looking for love and men that couldn't provide it for her until she met one with a capital O who would hang on a cross for her shame and for her sin and for your sin and my shame too. This encounter was a game changer. Not once did Jesus condemn her. It's clear in the conversation as we read through it, she didn't really quite know where it was all going. She thought, here's a thirsty man who needs my help to get some water. Didn't realize Jesus was going to turn that completely on its head to let her see that she was the thirsty one and he was the one who could provide her with living water. But her ignorance of who Jesus was was no barrier to him at all. It's not a barrier here today. You don't need to know everything. Genesis, the revelation in the Bible to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. We just need to respond to his offer of love and the hope that's extended to us. Now, how do we know that Jesus did not condemn her? Well, here's how I think we know. He knew her identity, didn't he? But he didn't use it to destroy her, but bring her to a place where she sought hope. He said, go call your husband. Now, I don't think Jesus prompted chat about her husband's or her partner to criticize or put her down. You see, I believe Jesus spoke to this lady in a way that showed he understood why she sinned. He understood why she sinned because he knows there's a bias in every one of our lives that leans towards sin. And he understood at at the heart of this precious lady was someone just looking for love and acceptance in the wrong places. However, if there was going to be transformation, she needed to come face to face with sin. But Jesus didn't wring out all the sordid details of her life. I wonder how she... She said, I have no husband. Was it with rising inflection? Was it with defiance? I don't think so. I think she probably just about responded. Maybe embarrassed. I have no husband. 
What did Jesus do? Did he drag it all out of her? The whole sordid tale that he humiliated when the disciples came back. No, here's how I love to read a story of no condemnation. He tells her life story for her. He didn't make her struggle and stumble through it all because I believe he wanted to help her at that moment and he's kind, but he also wanted to reveal his divinity too. He loved, he accepted this lady and, and, and she knew that. She knew that. She saw something in Jesus Christ that she had never seen before. He's full of grace, not condemnation. And do you know, it's the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus chose to reveal his Messiahship to someone. He didn't announce it to the full packed out synagogue or, or, or look for the biggest moment to publicly reveal who he was to give momentum to his, his ministry. No, he shares it with a nameless woman who for the most of the conversation had no clue what he was saying. Why? Because he loved her. He loves you too. Oh, we need to, to learn from Jesus, don't we? It's so sad that in society, church is more known for condemnation than for grace. Especially when it, it comes to, to dealing with people like this lady. Why are we known more in the church for what we're against than what we're for? How have we ever allowed ourselves to get in a position where the hope of Christ in us is not declared and known and lived out in the world that's eternally contagious? Why are we known for more for what we're against? Jesus knew this lady and he knew her situation. And he's full of grace, not condemnation. When it comes to dealing with people who have maybe a reputation, we're not great at that. And I think it's sad that when people think of Christians, the first words that come out are judgmental people. How do we ever judge anyone? Personally, I, I'm too aware of my junk to point the finger at you or point the finger at anyone. I need to learn from Jesus. This is the Christ-like life. He's a friend of all sinners and he's full of grace, not condemnation. There's so many people in this society who, like this lady, live with a sense of failure. They don't need us to wring out all their sort of details or stand with placards. Some already know and yes, they need to confront sin like we have when we came to faith and they do every day of our lives and ask for forgiveness. But what these people in society need to encounter is Jesus at the well through us. They need to encounter Jesus at the well through us and his message of acceptance, his message that is full of grace and not condemnation. And here's the final point that David also brought out, you could have got up here and preached this sermon, David. It was brilliant. It was really great what you shared earlier. Grace transforms lives. Look at the transformation of this lady. It's, it's staggering. Verse 39 says that many of the Samaritans from that city believed because of the, of the word of the woman who testified. Wow. She ran home and she said, come see a man. Now, if you or I are strategically looking at how we can impact Samaria, 
we're probably not going to send a lady who has a reputation into the town to say, come see a man. Because we think, oh, everybody's going to think, is this number seven? But Jesus saw it differently. He saw, his grace saw that the woman with the greatest mess was the woman with the greatest potential. Thank God he sees us all differently. The woman with the greatest mess was the woman with the greatest potential. You're not yet a Christian. You think God couldn't forgive you for what you've done or for what you're doing in your life. Oh, my friend, why would Jesus go through what he did on a cross? If there's something in your life he can't deal with, that doesn't make sense. What makes sense is not only can he deal with everything in your life and mine, he desperately wants to. And not only does he want to save you, he also sees the potential in you to go from this place and to take forward his mission in this earth. I say this in the, in, in the first service. Often we can come through life and we can feel like we're a nobody. There's things that potentially teachers said to us 30, 40, 50 years ago that have stuck with us and have been a bind in our lives. Jesus wants to set us free from all of that. He wants to redeem the past with hope and a future so that we can march forward in finding our identity in Him and knowing His hope in a way that, that lets us see He can use us. We just need to make ourselves available in our lives and He can use us. Yes, even you, that precious saint who somebody said something over your life and it shackled you. Jesus sees the people sometimes whose society looks down on the most, they're the ones who have the greatest potential. Why don't you reach out to him today? It's a class message. Why did the people in this city listen to that particular lady? It's because they'd seen her helplessness, they'd seen her hopelessness. And now they can see a dramatic change. A lady who, who went to the well at noon to avoid speaking to people, now she's evangelizing her whole city. What transformation the grace of God can bring in our lives. So much so that actually it was the people who had rejected this lady that she went to first. Whew. A challenge there, isn't there? Why should she do it? Because I reckon she got the heart of the message we've been challenged with today. Jesus is a friend of all sinners. Not just the ones that society and church can look down on at times. But he's also the friend of those who have hurt us. I think you used the word enemies earlier. That's who this lady went to first because of the transformation that grace brought in her particular life. He is a friend of all sinners. What a message. Jesus isn't the Messiah of narrow Jewish expectation. He's the world's redeemer. And it's amazing, the disciples, you read on, they couldn't believe that grace could come to a person like this. But Jesus tells them to look up and see the fields are white on the harvest. And I know so that life is complex and it's not all nice and neat. And there's sometimes we can look at situations and wonder, how could Jesus love that person? But he does. And as you and I go into another week, 
What can we do just as we finish and respond here? We can look up. We can reach out to Jesus for that hope, if it's maybe for the first time. It would be wonderful if somebody here today reached out to Christ for the first time. Somebody online, get in touch with Nigel or, or somebody who you know to let them encourage you if you have done. He's your friend. He loves you. He knows your life. He knows everything. In fact, he knew it in an eternity past, but he still sent the son to die on a cross for us. There's nothing in our lives that surprises Jesus or, or brings God to the edge of his throne. And says, I didn't know anything about that. He loves you and he wants to reach out to save you. And for those of us who, who do know and love the Lord, let's go out to live this week in a way where people encounter Jesus at the well through us. Because we're a people who are a friend of all sinners. We're a people who are all about grace and not condemnation. Because that's when we'll be a people who'll see the grace of God transform lives. Amen. Amen. God bless you.